Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, September 6th. 2022, 7.01 p.m. Central Time on the dot. We are one minute late. This is the Blog and the Boys Roundtable. You can watch us live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel or listen to us after the fact on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I say us, I say we, because there is a crew of fantastic Cowboys minds gathered around this particular night of the roundtable. Starting at the 12 o'clock position, we have all, by the way, people here who you can hear on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. On Mondays, you can hear the audio stylings of Tony Catalina on the first and 10 show tony thank you so much for joining us a very happy birthday to your dog whose name is zeke he is three years old if that is any indication as far as when tony named the dog uh just you know we do some quick math right there tom ryle in the top right corner you hear him on thursdays on riled up tom thank you for gracing us with your presence as always you are the most handsome person in the history of blocking the boys if anybody doesn't mind me saying uh we have a newbie uh the uh the john Dorian, was that JD's last name uh, on Scrubs uh, of BTB at this point in time? Brandon, uh, Lori, I haven't even asked you how to pronounce your last name, Brandon. Is it Lori, in fact? It, it is Lori. You did a fantastic job. I'm very proud of you. Good for me. Uh, thank you very much. You can hear Brandon, everybody, starting on Tuesdays on the Blog on the Voice Podcast Network. Not going to say the name, not going to say anything else, but uh, starting next week, uh, once the Dallas Cowboys are one to know, you can hear him and a very special co host. But thank you for joining us tonight, Brandon. And finally, of course, one of the absolute legends, not just of the blog and the boys world, but the blogging world as a whole. Some say he founded the Internet. It is the one and only Rabble Rouser, one half of the Star Seminar, which you hear on Fridays here on our podcast. Network. Rabble, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Tell us a fun fact about the Earth. Uh, fun fact about the Earth. Um Good Lord, I have no, I have, I have no idea how to answer that question. Want wow, me to get caught me my pants out. down, dude? Adam and Eve were the first people here. That would have been that's go. the one we were looking there you for. Go. Well, I'll on. tell you what. I tell you what. There is, uh, we're able to trace our ancestors through uh, mitochondrial DNA, and there is actually a mitochondrial Eve. You can trace, we can trace our our mitochondria back to an original first female ancestor that we all share. That is why he is the professor of the Star Seminar. Uh, thank you, Rabble, for that uh, fantastic comment. All right, let's um, let's get started here tonight. First of all, Zachary Maldonado says, I need to get back into the podcast. Yes, you do. You can hear all of these fantastic voices and many others. We have two shows that drop every single day. That is in addition to a daily update of sorts, very similar to our links posts up at bloggingtheboys.com. We make sure you are caught up on all things Dallas Cowboys all the time, round the clock. I believe Blue 365 says, so I keep hearing the best spot for Peters is at guard. Not a bad thought, IMHO. Tony, we have a game to get into tonight, but before we do, let's kick this subject around. Jason Peters at guard, assuming Tyler Smith is the greatest left tackle to ever exist. Your thoughts? 
And, you know, I think we brought Jason Peters in to be a tackle, whether that is to start when he is ready or to be a swing tackle, like he mentioned. Uh, he came in there to kind of solidify and kind of give some some substance to the left tackle spot. So if anybody's moving a guard because Peters is here, it's probably Tyler Smith. Tom. Yeah, I'm not fond uh, of, of the idea of going at guard. I'm pretty sure he came in expecting and told he was going to be a tackle. And uh, it sounds like he is not at all unhappy about the idea that he may be the swing tackle or the backup left tackle for this team, which I think is great. And it sounds like he's already doing a little coaching with the youngins out there that could possibly pay dividends down the road. Brandon. Yeah, he mentioned in his uh, press conference how, you know, he had a couple offers on the table. And I wonder if having that sort of hometown uh, Dallas offer is what really drew him here. And like Tom mentioned, I don't think he's really upset if he doesn't get the starting left tackle position. I think that he's very comfortable with being a mentor at this stage of his career. He mentioned that last year before signing with the Bears and after signing with the Bears. And even in this offseason, he really wasn't kind of looking to get into training camp. He was kind of feeling out different offers and it seemed like that he was just very comfortable with doing whatever the team asked him to do so if that's you know starting in a few weeks um after he gets acclimated uh that would be great but if it's just to be a swing tackle and a mentor i think he's okay with that too finally rabble jason peters at left guard absolutely not it's a nuclear option if that happens the season's over honestly it's not gonna happen he's here um, to be the tackle if uh, he'll be like the fourth option they're, they're gonna try mcgovern they'll try farniok they'll move tyler smith back in and, uh, and and only if those three guys can't play or are injured would he even would they consider putting him at, at guard. Rabble, I'm with you. Uh, just to piggyback off of that briefly, today, Tuesday, Jerry said on 105.3 The Fan that um, their, I guess, sort of plan with Peters is contingent upon how Tyler Smith plays at left tackle. That seems like a terrible idea. I saw a friend of the show, Jeff Cavanaugh, said that this ignores how Connor McGovern plays at left guard, which should be equally important given the entire symmetry of the line. That was yours, Rabble. Just in oh, case. Oh, that was mine. We do award points around here, so you're starting behind the yeah, eight I mean, ball. So I think the uh, I think the um, the question for us then really is uh, is Jason Peters a better left tackle than Connor McGovern is uh, a left guard to some degree? But I I really I, I don't I don't I think that if if he comes in and they need him to play, he's going to move to tackle, and they're going to move they'll move they'll move Tyler Smith in. I don't think they're going to leave Tyler Smith at tackle and and have him play guard. If Tyler Smith plays tackle he will stay at tackle and i mean if he does really well at tackle he'll stay there for the next decade i mean mm. it's his it, that that's the plan they, they've drafted him to be the tackle of the future they're gonna they've accelerated that process if he plays well he'll stay there uh, for this until until tom and i are gone <laughs> wow uh that was a bit ageist um okay uh rabble said it not me all right boys um Look, we're going to cover everything. This this is kind of a, a template here that allows you to kind of go wherever you want. Um, I told you all that we were doing predictions for the 2022 Dallas Cowboys season, but because it is a blog and the boys production, it, of course, has a twist. What is the twist? I have assigned each of you a particular word. They are all similar in length. You have to go through predictions. You start your sentence with the first letter of the word as you progress through it. So as an example, Tony, a happy birthday to your dog. Your word is Elliot. So you're going to go through predictions. Your first one has to be a sentence beginning with the letter E. 
every whatever, eclectic whatever. You get the idea. You all have some time to think about it. Tony, your word is Elliot. Tom, your word is Dallas. You get nice, some nice, simple two L's in there along with Tony. Tony, you also have two T's. Brandon, the newbie, you get Cowboys. The Y is a tricky one. So, you know, that's always a, a difficult one. Rabble, I saved the best for last. Parsons, the P, always a very strong letter to begin a sentence with. Is anybody ready to jump? Tom, you have a question. Yeah. Uh, did you say that we have to start each sentence with the letter? Correct. I'm not looking for okay. a word. I don't need you to, you know, your word is Dallas. Your first word doesn't just have to be something that uh, a single word that starts with the letter D. It has to be a sentence, a prediction of store, of sorts that starts with the letter D. So you got to get a little crafty. You got to get a little bit cheeky, you know, and there are points up for grabs. Uh, Jess Navarez, who made her debut with DallasCowboys.com today. Congratulations to her from all of us. Uh, she is our reigning BTB roundtable champion, but Brand has never won one. Rabble's never won one. But Tony, Tom, you both have taken on some hardware before. Uh, we'll see who takes home tonight's prize. Who is ready? Again, I do award points for boldness and braveness. Let's do it. And right, one Tom, more question just to make sure. Do we go down the line through each letter or do we start with just the first one? Excellent question. Five points for Brandon. And by the way, our crowd watching can give points if they are here live. If you're here late you know, or listening, you know, you're not a part of this. But uh, yes, Brandon, you do have to go in order. So you got to start your sentence with C, next one with O, W, so on and so forth for Cowboys. So Tony, you volunteered. Your word is Elliot. Your first thing has to start with the letter E. It has to be a prediction associated with this Dallas Cowboys team. The floor is yours. Everybody needs to relax. I think it <laughs> How's that a prediction. That's not a, uh, that's a statement. I predict that everybody's going to have to relax. Oh, I think I love it. I love it. <laughs> so ultimately, uh, you know, I, I'm nervous just like everybody else, but you, you kind of look at it in the way Kellen Moore handles things. I think what mostly everybody needs to relax about is the offensive line. I think um, we're all worried about what Tyler Smith is going to look like out there. Um, but I think the way Kellen Moore is going to scheme this up, I think they get the ball out quick. I think there's going to be some shotgun snaps. I think they're going to really lean on the running game. I know some people don't like to hear that, but, you know, it's going to be – it's going to be quick. It's going to be um, ground and pound a little bit, but I think everybody needs to relax because uh, at the end of the day, the Cowboys are going to have a way to kind of move this football. I think offensively, they're going to be able to put some points on the board. It may not look like we're used to with them being a high potent offense, but I think everybody needs to relax. It's going to be efficient. Does anybody, by the way, you can agree or disagree. We do have a duel for Rabble and Brandon that uh, is an accessible commodity, a la Mario Party. You can challenge for as many points are available. Uh, does anybody feel like we shouldn't relax? We should be tense. Uh, we should be upset. All right. Simpatico across the board. All right, Tom, you're up next. We are going to go in this clockwise order. So, Tom, the letter D for the word Dallas. Now, before I, I get into yeah, it, that started I, with I, an N, Tom, I want to make sure the right start. I want to make sure I clarify. Is it just do we have to have consecutive sentences starting with each letter or do we just keep coming back to the word? No, your this sentence has to start with the letter D. Your next go around that sentence has to start with the letter A, so on and okay. so forth. Okay. Defense is going to be one of the real keys to the team this year. Thank you for the easy word because that was a, that was a low-hanging fruit right off the bat. Uh, I think that the offense has a lot of question marks. The only questions uh, on defense seem to be how are they going to get enough snaps for some of these players. Uh, the, there's so much depth, it seems like, on the defensive line. Uh Interesting side note, they came out with uh, uh, an unofficial depth chart that had Quentin Bohanna over Neville Gallimore, which indicates to me that 
Quinton is going to be the guy on running downs. Gallimore is going to come in, probably get more snaps on passing downs overall. Uh, but I think that there's just so much. Micah Parsons alone moves this defense up in the, the rankings in the National Football League just because he's so good at everything they ask him to do. Uh, the secondary seems to be strong. Uh, it's a, another interesting thing from the depth chart. They showed not only three starting corners, but three starting safeties, which I think tips their hand, the hand a little bit on what's coming uh, out there to kind of befuddle offenses. I think we could see them lining up with four down linemen, three safeties, three corners, and one linebacker and just tell them, okay, handle this. Tom, um, I believe Blue365, that was the comment I was searching for, started their own sentence. It's defense will be the reason we go anywhere this season if it happens. So um, you were copyrighted, uh, copyright infringement, um, I suppose, right there. Um, I I gave Tom four points for the bravado of like bragging and being like, thanks for the low hanging fruit. So again, you know, we do award style points. So Tom, good for you kind of flexing right there. Anybody disagree? Anybody still think this is an offensive driven team? Or do we all agree with Tom that they've kind of put all their eggs in Dan Quinn's basket? Another Uh, D option. But yeah, Brandon, I, I, I think uh, I think Tom hit it right on the head. I think the defense is going to lead this team. I mean, we heard Dan Quinn, uh, which is, you know, D as well. Uh, you know, he spoke yesterday and mentioned how the most important thing for him and the system is continuity and how they are going, which could be a word for mine. Uh, you know how you're going from you know one, year one to year two, how important that is for communication, uh, continuity between the players. And they really didn't lose that many pieces in the offseason from their defense and if that everybody stepped up, you know, we mentioned somebody in the comments that Israel McQuamu. I mean, he's probably going to be seeing a lot more playing time this season because he's developing, you know, another D word. It's something that I think that Dan Quinn, that's his focus for the season is this jump from year one to year two and how he's going to expect this big jump for his, his defense. Mm, Brandon, um, that was a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, just throwing away words right there. I mean, you know, you're burning a lot of things. I don't think anybody else has another D. Uh, I got a D. I got oh. the D for you. It's delusional. Oh my it's gosh! A, it's, it's it's that the uh, I think I think here's the thing. I, I think we look at this and say yes, this is an offensive team. Or excuse me, a defensive team. I think the team, the front office, the coaching staff, and their investment uh, on on both sides of the ball suggests that they still believe it's an offensive driven team. And mm. so I, I think that that is delusional. I think that uh, we're going to find out that uh, that if the if they're going to be good, it's because the defense is going to ha- is going to have to carry them, and they're going to struggle again, much as they did in the last six eight games last year. Look at look at Rabble taking shots. That was seven points, by the way, for the tenacity right there. I applaud that. Great job, Rabble. By the way, Ethan brings up Sean Payton choosing his words wordsly, or words wordsly, words wisely. Uh, Sean Payton did an interview with Kay Adams today mm-hmm. uh, and spoke glowingly of Dan Quinn twice. Did not mention Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore. Um, we're all playing a game here, but Sean Payton knows how to play the ultimate game. Uh, so that being said, Brandon, let's continue this game. Your word, Cowboys. You are up with the letter C. C.D. Lamb. It kind of combines two letters. Oh, respect. I, I, okay. I think I think C.D. Lamb is going to be the focal point of this offense. Uh, Amari Cooper is out of the building. Cedric Wilson left in free agency. And Michael Gallup is missing possibly, you know, definitely the first game, maybe the second. and But not, 
you know, the first four uh, because he wasn't put on the pup list. But I do think that CeeDee Lamb is going to carry this offense. Um, you know, we see what Mike McCarthy was coming from with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to kind of duplicate that a little bit um, where it's just I think last season and what we heard about this hype with three 1000 yard receivers, I think there were too many cooks uh, in the kitchen. And I think that that's sort of, uh, you know, saturated the the share for Dak Prescott to make sure he got everybody. But CeeDee Lamb had about 120 targets last season. So it's not like out of the ordinary that this is a, a random prediction. This is something that we've seen last season alone. So I think CeeDee Lamb is just going to absolutely take over. I, I'm I'm probably estimated probably about 1500 yards. That's what that's what I'm guessing for for CeeDee Lamb this season. Tony, um, it has been said many times, why don't the Cowboys use Amari Cooper the way the Green Bay Packers use Devontae Adams, the way the Los Angeles Rams used uh, Cooper Cup? I mean, pick pick a name, pick a team. Do you feel like this lends more to that, that, that while it increases the pressure and diminishes the room for error, that this does kind of set things up? There is only one cook in the kitchen, and now you have a bunch of sous chefs following him around on the field? Yeah, I think I think that's the way the Cowboys view it, right? They they want CD Lamb to take control and be that solidified number one guy, the, the no doubt about it first option. Um, I don't know how that really helps his team in totality. I think having other guys out there that are able to kind of take the pressure off of him is better for this offense moving forward. But I absolutely do think to Jerry Jones and the in the powers that be see CD Lamb in that same light. And there's no doubt that CD Lamb has that potential. Um, we're just gonna have to see it, and it's a lot more pressure on him than they probably should have uh, put it put on him. But you you know, when Michael Gallup gets back, I think that they'll be more even. I think C.D. Lamb might be able to see a little more breaks as long as uh, Gallup gets out there and is, is healthy to do so. All right, Rabble. First P, only P. Parsons, floor is yours. The pass rush is going to have to take uh, some of the some of the heat away from what is inevitably, inevitably going to be a decrease in turnovers or this defense is not going to be better. Um, so last year they had record turnovers, uh, as, as you all know, um, you know, turnovers are inconsistent year to year, and uh, this defense is going to have to get stops one way or the other. They got a lot of stops via turnover last year. They're going to have to get stops other ways. And the other two ways in which drives are, are historically stopped are in penalties and in sacks. And so they're going to have to either generate penalties through, through pass rush or they're going to have to get sacks um, because otherwise uh, they could be better and not be as good statistically because those turnovers masked a lot of – things that were not fully developed in this defense that might be developed this year, but boy, that, that covered for a lot of ills. I think that's well said, Ravel. Um, obviously we're getting ready for Cowboys bucks. I know the Cowboys lost last year, but that game was so much closer because Chris Godwin fumbled right near the goal line at the very end of that game that, you know, was kind of this, you know, random out of nowhere play. If that doesn't happen, Tampa ices that game. And, and we don't look at that, that game. And we don't look at this week as saying, well, they almost beat them last year. They, you know, Justin Herbert threw a weird pick to Demonte Kazee in the end zone. One week later, Trayvon Diggs had the pick six and new England kind of breathed life back into that game. So you're right. I mean, you, it, the sum of these parts are going to have to, you know, be a mass somewhere else if they're not from the volume of turnovers. I like that one a lot. Rabble um, off to not an early lead. Brandon got five points from the crowd, uh, five points for me to start. So Brandon has the lead after one round. Tony, you're in, last, you're in last place. Um, I'm very excited for this because you've got two L's coming up, Tony. Tom has two L's coming up. Tom has two A's, uh, including one right up here. And Rabble has an A as well. But Tony, start us off. Uh, give us an L. Take an L. Eat the L. <laughs> Um, all right. L Lawrence, as in Demarcus Lawrence, will have it's a more sentence. Tony it has right. to start with a sentence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Whatever. Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence is going to have, if you want bold, Demarcus Lawrence is going to have more sacks at the end of the season than Michael Parsons. Wow. I love you that. You really believe this or you're, I, you're just hyped up in the moment. 
No, not hyped up. I think um, Demarcus Lawrence somehow, some way again is being the forgotten man. I think everybody is is wondering how they're going to use Michael Parsons. Rightfully so. He's a chess piece that the Cowboys have that many teams, not many teams, if any teams at all, kind of have that same matchup. I think Demarcus Lawrence is healthy. I think he has something to prove. And I think he's been, you know, he's been kind of disrespected a lot. And I think we've seen that throughout the fan base. We've seen that more so through the fan base than the rest of the league. I think the other teams understand what he brings. But but if you want bold predictions, I, I think at the end of the year, the way it shakes out, Demarcus Lawrence might edge out Micah Parsons when it's all said and done. To the point of, you know, that Rabble brought up, how the, the volume of turnovers and takeaways is probably leaving. The Cowboys did not get a lot of games from Demarcus Lawrence last year. They did not get a lot of games from Neville Gallimore last year. So, you know, there is some regression of the mean happening, happening both in a positive and negative sense. Um, so I like that. Does anybody agree with Tony? Or do we all are we already to give Micah the, the, the crown a sack later for 2022? I'm just excited to see the competition between those two. And I hope it is tight. And I hope it leads to a whole bunch of sacks with a bunch of other guys out there wanting to get in on the the pass rush as well to try to enter into the conversation. So I think it's all good if those two guys are are looking at each other and saying, like, well, watch what I can do. Caleb Swanson says that's a bold take. He's a monster. He's going to get his sacks. But I'd argue Parsons has a deep defensive player of the year season. Uh, Johnny Boy, Tony, uh, again, it was your dog's birthday. You had some cake. Uh, it says that you had too much doggy birthday cake um, because that is crazy. Jess, uh, the superstar of the day, as mentioned, uh, congratulations once again to you, Jess. Uh, gave you five points. She already gave away five to Brandon, though. So what does that say about you, Rabble, and you, Tom? Um, that neither of you have gotten any points from Jess. So um, it, means, it means we're, we're old and Jess is a, a, awarding points for handsomeness. <laughs> I did say that Tom was the most handsome person uh, to ever yeah, be around here. Just disagree. You lied too. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, the letter A is yours. Aggression needs to be the watchword for this offense. Ooh. With all the plot problems they've got on the offensive line and with all these inexperienced receivers, I think there's an expectation that they uh, that Kellen Moore may be a little cautious. They may kind of try to take it slow and rely a lot on handoff. And I think that would be a terrible mistake. Come out there, use your weapons, uh, you know, get the ball out of Dak's hands fast, but to receivers that are moving and that can do something with it in space. And I think they've got some, they, they, there are players they know can do that. And there are other players that it looks like they've got that potential. And I think early on, Kellen Moore needs to start, just throwing all kinds of stuff in the offense. And that does include the running game as well. Come up with some, you know, maybe Matt Farniak becomes the the new fullback guy and the, the, the super heavy set every now and then. But do that not on a short yardage situation, but get him moving out on like a sweep trying to, you know, let's see what happens when some defensive back sees him coming around the end, uh, you know, and as the lead blocker. Uh, along with, say, Steele or, or, you know, Tyler Smith coming around, however they do that, uh, or a pulling guard. I just I want to see them don't get cautious. Don't pull your head in like a turtle. Go out there, take some chances, take some shots, and see if you can't get something going early and, and start putting the other team back on their heels. Rabble, a cousin of this idea um, is – yeah, this infatuation with Cavante Turpin and Tony, since I have said that name, you can't use that as one of your T's. Um, and so uh, just a heads up there. Um, 
and believe me, I'm I'm all for this. Kevontae Turpin, whether he's wearing number nine, number 16, I don't care. Involve him offensively. He has shown that he is dynamic in that sense. But um, I do not want Kevontae Turpin to have, if that means that Tony Pollard, Tony, you also cannot use that T for either one of your T options, um, is, is also disregarded. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want Kevontae Turpin to exist at another cost to Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's in a contract here. We have to make sure that, that we get some sort of value out of Tony Pollard before he's completely gone from this team. Do you agree that, that Kevontae Turpin, as dynamic as he is, I mean, to Tom's point, use both, but should be behind Tony Pollard in the prioritization, the totem pole of priority, so to speak? Absolutely. And, and do we know that he's dynamic in offense? We haven't really seen that yet. So we've seen him di- be dynamic in the open field. We've seen him be dynamic when he's got space. We haven't seen him be dynamic as a receiver. We haven't seen him. Uh, he's almost certainly going to be responsible for running a lot of underneath routes. We haven't seen him be dynamic uh, in, in terms of finding seams and zones and, and uh, you know, and, and getting that getting that space and, and uh, you know, sort of judging those sort of subtle nuances. So um, you know, right now, I think he's got to be a gadget player. He's going to be a lucky whitehead type of player where he's going to run some jet sweeps. They'll, they'll do some things where they where they do some they'll, they'll try to run, run a, you know, run a play in one direction and have him kind of leak out in the other direction and try to create space for him to try to create those open fields. But I think what they're really hoping for is that they can turn a couple games around with special teams plays. And I think if they can do that early in the season, what they're hoping for is that they can strike fear into the hearts of rival special teams coordinators. Um, who will then be more likely to try to punt out of bounds, do things to avoid him, and and will generate field position as a result of that. So in, in some ways, uh, the the turnovers that they're not going to get and the stops they're not going to get, they're going to have to make up for. And the, and, and the pick sixes that you talked about, RJ, mm-hmm. that they're not going to get because that's not realistic, they're going to have to make up for um, by number nine being dynamic. Mm. Uh, first time ever in Dallas Cowboys history, number nine would be dynamic. Some would say, oh. uh, Brandon, the, uh, oh, the letter O is yours. Your first of two. I will point out that that is the first letter of my last name and I have two of them also, but, uh, it is your letter nonetheless. Uh, Osa Odigizua, a couple yes, of O's a double O. Okay. Um, he will lead, uh, or actually he will lead all defensive tackles, uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with three sacks. I think he's going to have three sacks on Sunday. And I say that because the offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now is just as bad, if not worse than the Dallas Cowboys and where we're at. Uh, you know, you look at who they're starting at left guard and center, um, the left guard, Luke Gadecki. Uh, he is a rookie out of central Michigan. Um, you know, I pulled up a couple, you know, quotes from Lance Zerline for the, uh, for his draft, you know, report, his strengths is that he will fit into any run scheme and he's an adequate anchor to sur- survive a bull rush. But as his weakness, his spin counter, uh, you know, uh, defense uh, could haunt him um, throughout his start of his career. And also jumping into a new position and higher competition could slow his progress. So already at the left guard position, you're already seeing somebody who might be a little unsure because he's moving from tackle inside the guard and he has shorter arms. So that is a better position for him at the next level. But again, a little more uncertainty. And then at center, you have Robert Hainsey who took 31 snaps only for the Buccaneers last season. And again, uh, a tackle from a season ago um, at Notre Dame transitioned into guard. And then now is trying out center. 
Um, you know, the scouting report for him is shows leverage at the point of attack, but is a below average athlete and leaves himself wide open also to spin counters. So I think Osa with the athleticism that he brought last season, the athleticism that we saw at the very beginning of the season, it, it's going to show and be on display at this first uh, game on Sunday. And I think that Osa is really going to show up and he's uh, one of the more athletic defensive tackles, him and Tristan Hill. So I think that Osa is going to have about three sacks on Sunday. Uh, Donnie gave you 20 points, Brandon, but there is a limit. Uh, people can only give our participants five points at a time, but a generous offer nonetheless, but still five points uh, to your cause. Anybody Appreciate disagree it. or does everybody agree three sacks for Osa on Sunday night? I think that's a little bit rich. Tom hates not... Osa Adigizua. Let the record show. Uh, let the record show that RJ once again is exaggerating to make us look bad. So uh, I, I would Who's the most likely cowboy to have three sacks then? If if you had to put all your, you know, every dollar you own, Tom, on one cowboy to have three sacks Sunday night, who is it? No, I'd go with Chalk and go with Micah. Micah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly obvious. Well, it's it's clearly not Micah. You know, Brandon just went Osa, you know? Yeah, but uh, I I am interested to see what happens with uh, the the interior of the defensive line, uh, you know, to see what happens not, not just with Osa, but... It's going to be interesting to see if Bohanna can get pushed. I think Gallimore is going to be really helpful on the interior pass rush. And if they're worried about Micah and D-Law and, you know, maybe Armstrong and the others coming off the edge, that could open up some opportunities up the middle. But the reason why I think Micah might be the best bet is if they are having to worry about those linemen like that Let's blitz Micah up the A-gap and see what Tom Brady does with that. I'm going to interrupt you, Tom, because I want to segue off of that. I'm that lame. Uh, Rabble, A is your word or letter. Uh, obviously, you're half foot and a half right there. You're at the second letter of Parsons. So, A, go for it. All y'all need to give some credit to the front office. Uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's been – and I'm not just saying for this for this particular offseason. I think in general um, – I remember this was seeing the genesis a, of your appearance here, by the way, Rabble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I remember reading a, I remember reading a, an interview with Mark Dominic, who was the the, the Tampa Bay uh, general manager several years ago, like in 2006, 2007. And they had a couple of good drafts in a row, and he was uh, stressing the importance of, of that third good draft in a row. You if you need you need three solid drafts in a row to really to build a good young team that's on the come. And I think that's what this front office has done. I think that. Um, They've had three very strong drafts in a row after many years of kind of flip-flopping, alternating between good drafts and mediocre drafts. And that's that's something new. And I think that they recognize that. And I think that a lot of the decisions that they've made have been made to give this this good young team opportunities to get better as soon as as soon as they can. Um, so I I think one of the things that we tend to do is when we think of front office, we think of Jerry. Jerry's not a Jerry's not the general manager. He's not in the front sure. office. Well, Will McClay is in the front office, and um, and his team of scouts who are actually really really good are the front office. Stephen Jones is, you know, he's, he's sort of attached to the front office and he works with Will. But I think that, um, you know, when we think of the front office, we don't give enough, we don't give enough credit to, to Will, Will McClay and his scouts, both on the college and pro personnel sides. And we give too much credit to the Jones in terms of just, just decision-making power and, you know, um, evaluative, evaluative acumen, et cetera. This is a good young team that is on the come. And I think that they're going to be, like two or three games better in the second half of the season than they are in the first half of the season, because that's what happens to good young teams. Anybody have any thoughts? I have some, but I'll go second. Anybody have any reactionary Tony, you 
you smiled when Ravel began his sentence. Um, do you disagree? It's no, it's not that I I disagree. It's just it's no. It's, you think what Rabble said is stupid, and you can't believe you wasted. <laughs> no, no, no. Look at him. <laughs> no, not at all. It's just it's it's a different take this year. You know, this off season to hear anybody give praise to the you know to the front office or you know Will McClay, but um the way he Rabble kind of puts it together, it makes sense. And I mean, I understand the point of view he's coming from. Uh, Rabble, Caleb Swanson says, there's people that I would give kudos to in the front office, but that mainly just comes from the scouts. But the part of the front office that doesn't make the effort we would like to see for free agency. I think that's a fair point. Do you have a, a follow-up to that idea? And then I'll go. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that the, um, the, the so this free agency can happen in a couple of ways. One is you resign your own guys, right? And when you draft really well, there's a lot you want to spend your money on resigning your own guys and the guys who have, who have sweat and bled for the team. And, that, and that's one of the things that the Cowboys really, really value. That's, that's part, that's part a, um, and, and, and uh, part B is, you know, we've talked for years about progress stoppers and not wanting to bring in progress stoppers. And so when you have a good young team, what you really want to do is give them every opportunity to take meaningful snaps. And that might mean that they'll take their lumps. Um, but it also, it also might mean that you wait as long as possible to bring bring in a veteran. So, you know, I mean, I think the, the Jason Peterson is a great example. One could argue they never would have done it if, if Tyron Smith hadn't got hurt. But I think that they probably would have brought in some sort of veteran swing tackle about this time either way. But they wanted to, to spend as much of the offseason as possible, giving their their talented young and, and talented to something that we can debate. But they, they, they like them. They, they drafted them for a reason. They're talented young offensive linemen, every opportunity to get as many meaningful snaps as possible. And then they bring somebody in. And so um, we disagree with the timing. But I, I think that um, if we think about the decisions they've made in the light of we have a good young team and we want to give them as many opportunities to get better quickly. Then I think we can understand a little bit more the way they've operated this off season. Um, by the way, Brian wants you to have two points for using y'all. Um, shout out to you. Rabble, respect. Um, I will say I, and I, I think you meant it the way I interpreted it. I, I think that we sometimes um, give Will McClay too much credit. I think that, and I don't, I don't mean to, you know, bash Will McClay by any means. I think he's the the most competent member of this front office, and I, I don't mean that in an, an insulting way. Um, but I think we we tend to assign all of the negative results, specifically to the Joneses, and all of the positive results only to Will McClay. And I, I don't think that's fair. You mentioned the, their draft, and it's still, I think it's too early to to judge any of the drafts in, in the Mike McCarthy era. But we're sitting here, you know, opening night, five days away from now. And last year's second and third round picks are players who we can't trust in Kelvin Joseph and, and, and Nashawn Wright. And so, I mean, are we crediting that draft? Yes, they drafted Micah Parsons. Yes, they found Osa Digizua, who ran in, shouted out. They found Simi Fahoko, who, who we are, are hoping is a reliable piece. But I do think that overall, and I don't, I don't believe I'm with you, Rabble. Jerry Jones isn't spearheading every decision, but I do believe that the way he speaks is emblematic for the overall disposition of the team. Um, everybody made a big deal about his quote today on the fan where he said that, that he cannot believe or he cannot live in a world where one and one is two. He has to believe that one and one is three. He said earlier this year at the beginning of training camp that he, he his one of his flaws is that he doesn't acknowledge negative results in his life. Pain is is a is a learning tool. Ravel, you know that you're one of the smartest people I've ever known. You can learn from negative experiences, and the Cowboys don't seem to do that. You mentioned the timing. I I cannot justify the timing behind the Jason Peters thing. Fine, you want to believe in Jason Peters and Matt Willetts, or excuse me, Josh Ball and Matt Willetts go fine, but hedge your bet. There was no reason not to do that. 
you you want to believe in that? You want to take it the distance? Fine. Tyron gets hurt. We're sitting here saying, well, you know, Jason Peters is going to take a couple of weeks to get ready. It's been two weeks since Tyron got hurt. What if you'd made that phone call the Thursday morning that first take was out at the Star in Frisco? You'd be getting ready to play the Buccaneers without having to put Tyler Smith out at left tackle. So I do think there is – this often gets painted as all or not. They're either all terrible, all great, no terrible, no great. It's, it's obviously somewhere in the middle, but I do think in general, they are much more reactionary than they are proactive. And I think that's their ultimate Achilles heel that they try to live in that world where they can get three out of one and one. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that they really feel strongly that they've been proactive in the past and it hasn't worked. And sure. so they, they feel, but, feel but like then, that, that, but that's that where method, they, that they do live all successful. or not. They say, well, that didn't work. We can never do that again. So now we have to go, mm-hmm. you know, operate mm-hmm. the other way completely and totally. Well, no, you can, it's, it's never, the recipe is never the same. You know what I mean? Well, like, I, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's the other thing that we as Cowboy fans get wrong is we look at, oh my God, it's been 26 years. And actually 26 years can be subdivided into a lot of different sure, totally agree. philosophies, a lot of different ways of proceeding. And so like they're, they're this front office for 26, it's actually a completely different front office, completely different philosophies over the many years. So I would say that the Will McClay era, so to go back to your earlier point, RJ, the Will McClay era, which basically starts around 2014, has been pretty consistent. We can disagree about, the philosophy, but the, but the philosophy has been, been consistent. Like they, 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 they know what they believe in and, and they pursue it. And, and you're right that uh, Will McClay is not uh, infallible. Um, and that there are certainly, uh, you know, draftees where we're not sure whether they're going to quote unquote pan out. Um, but I think there's been enough hits that uh, this, you know, this team is, this team uh, to me is deeper and, and, I'm clearer about the roles for players, let's say 35 to 53 under the Mike McCarthy era than they ever were in the Jason Garrett era. I think McCarthy and his staff, both by getting the heck out of the way uh, where the Jason Garrett staff didn't, but also I think by articulating more, more clearly what they want in terms of roles for guys who are like low second and third team um, have actually assembled a roster where there's guys at the bottom of the roster who are more capable of making a contribution. I think that's fair, although I would argue the Jason Garrett era ended in a purely reactionary way, which is in and of itself emblematic of, you know, but again, like it's not all one thing. It's not, you right. know, it's it's a collection of things, a collection of mistakes, a collection of successes. Okay. By the way, uh, Rabble Cam says to give you the game that your viewpoint is spot on. So there's not a real point value associated with that. Um, Cam, Jess, you and I are going to be friends forever. Jess says five points for you. Tom, you are now the only person who Jess has not given five points to. Um, so I would advise taking that personally. Um, but you know, Hey, it, it is what it is. Okay. Let's blitz through the next two letters for each of you. Tony, the second L in your name for Elliot, go for it. it less turnovers, more effective. And I'm speaking about the defense. I think ultimately they're going to regress when it comes to the turnovers. I mean, last year they had, uh, 34 turnovers. They're definitely going to be on the, on the South side of that, but I, and they gave, and they scored, uh, 358 points on the defense. I think ultimately they're going to be more efficient. I think that the second year in Dan Quinn's system, the defense is going to be a little bit more um, on point. I think that they're going to be able to kind of stuff uh, offenses out a little more three and outs. I think they're going to be able to be a little tougher on the, on the defensive side. And that's kind of like we mentioned earlier, this is what that defense or this team is. The identity is going to be, they think the offense is the identity, but we really know the defense is going to have to carry this team. So ultimately less turnovers, but more efficient, effective defense this year. Uh, two things. One, Tom, Jess would like 
you to know she did give you points. Um, so, Rabble, you were actually last in Jess's priority <laughs> list, um, just so we're clear. Um, Ethan says, I think we'll have near the same turnovers. Does anybody agree with that? Like, Or does anybody think we're looking at a, a dramatic dip? Brandon? I, I Probably not the same amount because it really was just, like pretty historic, but – uh, I would say, why not? You know, I, Dan Quinn was again talking in his press conference about you got a W con- coming up right now, Brandon. Be I know. Careful. I, I, well, I have another one. I don't worry. Uh, you know, I, it is continuity. You know, it's the same pieces that are in place. If not, people have been elevated to that position. Um, you know, people are taking like Demonte KZ and um, uh, I forget the other guy's name. That's how forgettable uh, the linebacker who they had who was from Atlanta. Um, oh, curse. Yeah. Keanu Neal. Yes. So, I mean, th- those were pieces that were brought over from Dan Quinn's system in Atlanta, and they were great stop gaps, but you could see the people who took over. Jabril Cox is starting this season. Uh, is, is Israel Mukwamu is taking a leap. So I think that they're, they feel comfortable in the pieces that they have. And you see someone like Carlos Watkins, who, who started 14 games for them last season, is on the practice squad. So I think that, you know, yes, they might not have the same amount, but I wouldn't bet – against having pretty close to the near top of what they were last season. Mm. I hope that they are, at the very least, just as opportunistic. They don't have to be as many in volume, but if, if they're timed properly, obviously that's what matters the most. Tom, you are up. We have a run on L's. Your, sec- or your first one, excuse me. Luck plays an awful big part in that whole turnover equation. Goodness. And oh, wow. that is that is something, though, that it's not totally outside of the team's ability to create some of their own luck. And I think we saw a lot of that last year. They were just in the right place at the right time. And if the ball's going to make a funny bounce, it doesn't do you any good unless you're there to pounce on it. If it's going to take a funny rebound off of a receiver, you have to get under it and, and haul it in. And we saw some of that. And I, I'm hoping that this year they can continue to capitalize on that by, by being aggressive, going at it. I mean, Dan Quinn says they're going to basically go out there with their hair on fire at getting after the other team. And I think that's what they need because I think when you play faster and, and harder like that on defense, you tend to make that luck happen for yourself. Uh, Brandon, let's get to your W. Uh, winning one point games, uh, will be a lot more successful for Dallas this season. Uh, I think that last year, you know, whether Greg Zerline, uh, you know, missed them, I don't want to say on purpose, but you know, the first game was just so crazy. Um, and I think that you're not going to see that. I have confidence in Brett Maher coming back the second time. I think that again, having faith in the front office, you're not going to make this move if you feel totally 100% confident in your decision. Um, Jonathan Garibay, unfortunately, didn't work out. But I do think that you know winning these one-point games are not going to be like what it was last season. Whether they might lose by a little bit more than one point, but they also might win by a lot more than one point. So I don't think we're going to see that um, you know difference this season. Tony, a big reason why people believed in the 2020 Cowboys was regression to the mean in that sense. I think there were two and seven in one possession games in 2019. Um, so there were so many people high on the Cowboys again that kind of blew up in their faces when Dak got hurt. Um, do you agree? Do you think that Dallas is able to handle the stresses of those close matches, you know, in a positive way? Yeah, I think, like I said, with the, about the defense, I'm, I'm fairly confident that this defense is going to be a top-tier unit in the NFL. And a lot of that comes into my my confidence in the quarterback. I think Dak Prescott is made for these moments. I think he is a guy that um, you can go to, go to battle with and you feel confident with that. So as long as you have a tough, stout defense and a quarterback that is top-tier, in my opinion, a top-10 quarterback, then then you feel confident in these, in these uh, close-score matchups. 
Rabble, uh, Brandon had the only W of this exercise. You now have the only R. So um, make it memorable. My first name starts with an R, just so we're all aware. Uh, regression to the mean is a B. Um, so uh, so we've, we've, we've talked a lot respect about- Respect on understanding it's a family show. It wouldn't hurt people to remember that like Rabble every now and then. So go there ahead, you Rabble. go. So, um, so uh, you know, we've talked about the fact that the turnovers were historically high um, and there's almost certain- uh, to be a regression to the mean. Tom just talked about how luck is such a kind of integral part of turnovers. Um, and that, yes, I think there's some defenses who put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks and, and uh, you know, can sort of create their own luck. They create the conditions for that. But like he said, sometimes the ball, the ball's a weird oblong ball. Sometimes it bounces in your direction. Sometimes it doesn't. I think one of the exceptions there may be Trevon Diggs because he just seems to create his own regardless. It's, it's, it doesn't seem like many of his turnovers other than that one early on against Tampa Bay, where it kind of bounced off, the, off of, was it Fournette into his arms was luck based. Right. Most of the other ones were ones where he just played, played the man and then, and then played the ball. Um, but I think in general uh, regression to the mean in that regard, regression to the mean in terms of offensive turnovers, turnover differential is one of the greatest um, uh, determinants in terms of one wins and losses. And so they had a, they had a, I think a deceptive record because their turnover differential was so high. And so it's likely not to be anywhere near that high again. I, I also think that it, it helped um, mask some of the, some of the, there's some of their kind of offensive, offensive mm -hmm. woes um, as well. And so um, it was, uh, you were just talking about their, their, their record in close games, right? Um, they were three and two in games decided by seven points or less last year. And so um, I've talked a lot in the past about good teams don't win close games because the truth of the matter is, if you look at, at the NFL historically, good teams, Super Bowl teams tend to be about 500 in close games because luck is, as Tom said, such a huge factor. Good teams avoid close games, right? So they only played five close games last year. That's one of the reasons they were a good team is because they got out to big leads and they, and they avoided close games where lady luck can come in and affect the outcome. Mm. So another place where, where they're likely to regress to the, to the mean is that they're going to play more close games. And mm. so that means that they're probably going to lose more close games because that's the way it works historically. They could get lucky and go six and one in close games. Right. It, it's possible. But the likelihood, the statistical likelihood is that they'll play more close games and they will be closer to 500 in those close games. And so therefore, ergo, they will lose more games um, in that particular category. That's a, that's another kind of uh, nasty place where they're likely to re to uh, regress to the mean. Yeah, that's why, you know, people would be like, oh, so and so has, you know, is the most fourth quarter comebacks in the NFL since like, who cares? Like, why is he having to come back in the fourth quarter? That's the question. That like, Rabble, Troy never had to come back. Exactly. Rabble, go off. Uh, Tony, there is no I in team, but there is an Elliot, the only I of our show. Go for it. Individual statistics for Trayvon Diggs and Michael Parsons will go down, but I think their overall impact will be much better. I think ultimately Trayvon Diggs is going to be coming into his third year as a much better, more complete cornerback. Somebody that if you want to go ahead and try him, go ahead and try him. I think he's going to make you pay for that. But ultimately, I think teams are smarter than the fan bases to follow them. Um, I think and I think Michael Parsons said it himself and even Mike McCarthy touched on it. Uh, Michael Parsons numbers don't have to be historical for him to have that type of impact on this team. They're going to use him as a queen on the on the chessboard. He's going to be all over the place. They're going to use him in a variety of different ways, and he's going to be a nightmare for quarterbacks and offensive coordinators so individual statistics don't be surprised if they're a little lower this year but you'll definitely feel a more bigger impact from Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons Tony uh do you even play chess I watched Queen's Gambit uh, I was gonna ask if uh if Micah's the queen on the board what does that make Trayvon mm. to the fan base upon 
That was actually a really good answer. I wasn't expecting <laughs> you to be able to pull that off. Uh, Tom, we're going to skip you because you actually have one fewer letter than everybody else. So we'll <laughs> we just got to keep things, um, you know, kind of in symmetry. Brandon, you are up next with the letter B. Beat up on the division. That's what I have to say. I think that's where it starts for for the Cowboys. I mean, you know, the Eagles are getting this insane amount of hype that I don't think has ever been, uh, you know, this, you know, I don't remember the Eagles ever being talked about this way, even during their you know pre-Super Bowl run, um, you know, a couple of years ago. So I think that when you beat up on the division, it makes things a lot easier to not only get to the playoffs because you end up winning the NFC East, but I think it also opens up the possibility where if you have a couple, you know, games where you can't perform as well, like again, you know, they're playing top-level competition the first two weeks of the season, like they did last year. You know, nobody really knew what the Chargers were, but the Chargers are an up-and-coming team. So you look at. Bucks, Chargers last year. Now you have Bucks, Bengals. I think, you know, back to back, if you can beat up on your division, especially later in the year, it kind of creates a little bit more of a cushion for if you do lose to a team like the Bengals and Bucks early on in the season. Yeah. Stockpile those wins. Tom, you didn't get to go through a letter, but I mean, those are the six easiest games on the Cowboys schedule in all likelihood, or four at least. I'm not counting the, the Philly matchup. So if you do put some stock into that, they do get Chicago, Detroit, get the AFC South. Um, so you got to put all those together. And then to Brandon's point, the losses against the Packers or the Vikings or the Bengals or the Rams, they hurt a lot less. Yeah. The, the thing is, though, right now, we're just basically looking backwards at everything at what the teams were last year. We don't really know who these teams are this year. The whole subject and, of this is predictions, Tom. What do you mean we're looking backwards? The whole point of this is looking forward. Yeah, but when you're talking about the the strength of schedule mm. issue, that's all a backward-looking thing. We'll know a lot more about what's coming down the pike after we've seen how these teams roll out the first couple, three weeks. But I do think that they – they're in better shape in the division than a lot of people seem to think they are. And that just comes down to the fact that I think the difference between Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts is pretty dang big. And I, I think that that will make a real difference. And it, it's going to have the Cowboys at the least in a dogfight to the very end for the division. I still think they're going to pull it out and win it. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be that meaningful given the fact that the NFC East still looks like kind of a weak division because of the Giants and the Commanders who have an even worse situation at quarterback. But, uh, you know, I, I just want to see a little bit more of what's coming down before we start talking about which is an easy game and which is a hard game. And there's always those, those injuries that come up, uh, you know, knock on wood, it's not going to happen to the Cowboys, but some team down the road is going to suddenly look very different because somebody is no longer available or a few key players go down. Mm, well said. Okay. Uh, Rabble, there are four S's left. You have two of them and this is the first one. Safety play is going to be as good as it's been since 2003. Wow. So it's 2003 for, for you youngsters. Uh, you may remember was the, was the year that uh, there was Darren Woods. The iPhone debut year. And, uh, and he, and he uh, teamed up with Roy with a young Roy Williams before Roy Williams, career kind of went off the edge and they were unbelievable. They were dynamic. They brushed the passer. They covered all over the field. And I think that the, there's a collection of safeties now that um, that are matchup nightmares for people, and they're suddenly after years of us complaining about 
how the Cowboys never address safety, suddenly have a really strong and really deep safety room with a bunch of guys who can make plays and affect and affect outcomes at all three levels. Um, Brandon, um, I feel like I feel like the safety position has flourished, but it does feel like the Avengers meme, like at what cost, like everything, like it kind of feels that way in some sense. Um, do you agree that that a lot was spared, um, not in the name of improving its safety, but that it all happened kind of in parallel with one another? Yeah, I mean, he stole my S. Uh, I was going to end with that because I feel so strongly about the safety position. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I look at Jerry Jones has talked up Malik Hooker like he's the second coming of a Roy Williams um, this offseason. I do think there is potential for it. I mean, he's coming off another year since his injury. And I do think that the safety position is the strongest of, of you know, since it's been in many, many years. Uh, J. Ron Curse was a, 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 I don't even know what to say. He was he was totally underappreciated you know, at the end of last season, you know, got sl- snubbed from the pol- uh, Pro Bowl. Uh, I think J. Ron Curse, you know, was a all over the place hybrid safety linebacker that was used. And and I think he had almost over 100 tackles last season, you know, over I think 101 tackles. So, you know, I do think the safety position, they have improved it, but I, I think it is based off of luck and all the pieces kind of coming together at the same time. I feel like Donovan Wilson has been here for nine years and still makes a million dollars. Unfortunately, <laughs> he he's, hasn't gotten out of his contract yet and, and made his money. But, you know, he been, he's a factor. Dan Quinn talked about him as somebody he was really really looking forward to being used in a scheme this this year. So I think even Donovan Wilson is somebody that we aren't talking about as much, but he will be used as almost like that thumper enforcer. Okay, so I want to save time for each of your final letters to make a final plea. So we are actually, that was a horrible blitzing uh, through the, this last letter. We're going to literally blitz through the next two letters. I just want your one, I want one word. We're changing the rules mid-game. Tony, the letter O, one word. Overreaction. Okay, we need more words. Like, what are we overreacting to at this point? I think the whole off season. I think we're so ready to be. That could um, have been th- the one. That could have been the O off season. By the way, just yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So I think overall we we overreacted a little bit to the off season. I think that there are some question marks on this team, but I think overall they're going to scheme up and they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be prolific, but I think they'll be fine. Okay, Tom, your second L, one word. I don't know. Is, is that my internet or Tom's? Tom's. 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 That's anticlimactic. Tom, I, we're going to wait here, see if that works. Oh, my gosh. I was so into it. Um, Tom, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. I okay. can hear you. You guys are screaming clear to me. So Okay. Your, sec- uh, your, gonna, your second L word. Okay. I was saying that Leighton Van Der Esch, his performance is probably more important to this team than a lot of people realize because if he's the good Leighton that they were seeing in camp, he is going to really be an anchor for this team. If he's the bad Leighton we've seen from the past couple of years, that's a problem they're going to have to address and they may have to call on Jabril Cox to step up and try to plug the hole. Mm. Okay. Brandon, your second O. On the road in December – is a lot easier uh, than it's been in the past. You see the last stretch of their, their schedule, they are at home at Houston, at Jacksonville, at home versus Philadelphia, at Tennessee, at Washington. So they're playing, really Washington will probably be the coldest place. Sometimes in Tennessee it gets a little cold, but you never know. It's definitely not as cold as what it could be in Green Bay and Chicago. Um, so I think on the road in December has been very favorable for them in this schedule this season. 
Yeah, lots of um, that Tennessee. I mean, you could argue that Washington game may be inconsequential. Their most, you know, kind of consequential game exactly. in the climate could be Tennessee. Uh, good answer there. Rabble, your uh, only O. Uh, I, I, I hate that this is my O, but uh, offensive line. It's the, it's, mm. it's the thing that's going to, that's going to, they're going to go as far as that offensive line goes. It's that simple. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who, who disagrees with you in, in reality. Um, I mean, how far – right now, today, Cowboys have the what best offensive line in the NFL? Are they average? Like, if you had to, if you had to cut them in, put them in a tier. I think so. I think they're, they're league average. I mean, they, they've got – they do have some good players. I mean, we're, we're forgetting that they have the, the best – probably the best offensive line in the league at, at right guard. I, I actually really like their right tackle. I know that some people really they really don't like him. I think actually last year their run game was a lot better, particularly because they could open up the entire play sheet when he was playing. Um, and uh, and I think that I think their center is serviceable. I think he's I think he's fine. I think he does a pretty good job of call, of making calls and he's in sync with the quarterback uh, for the most part in that regard. Um, so we'll see about the left side. We'll see about the left side. I mean, the reality is we also overrate Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith's been a declining player for a while now. He's still he's still a beast, um, but there's also times he's not. I mean, he was he was hobbling and making do, and I think even before he got injured, I think there, were, there were people who were watching who were watching closely, saying, "I don't know, this dude seems this dude seems awfully stiff." So I don't I don't actually know that a young. I mean, obviously, listen, a, a young. Um, uh, Tyler Smith is going to be a drop off from a Hall of Fame level player, but by the end of the season, is is is, is Week Seventeen Tyler Smith really going to be that much of a drop off from Week Week Seventeen beat up old Tyron Smith? Mm. Right. I mean, you've got guys who are on kind of a negative thing that made me feel positive in terms of their growth and decline. Okay. Um, big shocker here. I've changed the rules one last time. Um, so in the sake, because I, I this last one has to be epic. We can't just go into this. You know, with with two three S's, we can't have that. I mean, that would be stupid. And so we're not here to do that. So uh, that being the case, Tom, let me fix yours right here. I'm going to buy you all some time after I explain this to think. Uh, you're all going to take the final two letters of your word and make one big sentence, one combo sentence involving words that begin with those two letters. Tony, that means you have to use two words that both involve the letter T. Neither can be Tony, neither can be Turpin. That was your stipulation from a few rounds ago. Tom, your letters are A and S. Once again, a family show. Be cool around here. Brandon, yours are Y and S. Rabble, you are N and S. So Brandon and Rabble have two consonants. Tom, you are fortunate enough to have a vowel. So while the guys think I said I was going to buy them some time, an update on where we are at from a points perspective. This is certainly pertinent to the crowd watching with us live. Ethan says epic. So I do feel like people are enjoying this twist. Uh, last place at the moment, we have a tie. Uh, between Tony and Tom, two T's. You can't use that, uh, as mentioned, Tony. Uh, you and Tom both have 28 points, but it is a very, very close competition. Rabble, you have 29 points. Brandon, you are in the lead with 30 points, and this should come as no surprise given the theme of the final round. All points are worth double. So that being the case, we're going to go in the same order. Tony, do you feel like I have bought you enough time to put together your double T? I think so. Um Let's see here. By the way, Brian says that you are always in last place and that I am biased. Do you agree with that? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? No, Tony no. now has 29 points. You are no longer in last place. So Thank oh. you, Brian. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that, Brian. Um, 
by Thanksgiving time, the Cowboys will, will be on the verge of sewing up the NFC East. I think that I think the well Eagles done. I think the Eagles are way overrated. I think we've heard this whole dream team conversation before. I think that they still have Jalen Hurts and that has to count for something. I I I know RJ kind of got not misquoted, but a little bit and said that you thought Jalen was the worst in the division quarterback wise, but he's uh ultimately he he's in he's in the bunch of you know just some meh quarterbacks in that division. Dak Prescott's head and shoulders. I think ultimately the Eagles are are drinking their own Kool Aid more than anything else, and uh, I think by Thanksgiving time the Cowboys could be about a game or two away from wrapping this division up, regardless how we feel about it. So Tony, it took until mid December last year for the Cowboys to wrap up the NFC East. So you're talking about, I mean, almost a full month before. The, like, there are generally no divisions wrapped up by Thanksgiving. So you're talking about kind of a historical gap between the Cowboys and the field here. You, I mean, I, first of all, I respect the alliteration. You're the only person who had that challenge. Um, and I respect the creativity here. But you really feel that confident or you were just kind of backed up in a corner? You can tell us. It's, 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 a, it's a bold take. But, uh, but, you know, I think ultimately – the Cowboys are the class of the NFC East. I believe Brandon hit on that, and I think Rabble did too. I, they're definitely in the class of the NFC East, and all it takes is for the Cowboys to win a couple of these close games we're talking about and for the Eagles to not get off as hot of a start or to be as good as they think they are. So, uh, yeah, it may be a little bit of a stretch there, but I, I wouldn't say we're too far in December before we're having that conversation. All right, Tom, A-S. Make it great. Actually, I'm very intrigued by the practice squad that they have this year and how they're looking to use it. As we all know, they are going to carry their backup quarterback and their kicker on the practice squad for up to three weeks and call them up each week to, to, to buy themselves some time to keep some of the younger players on the roster so they can fully develop them. But beyond that, this is an awfully good-looking practice squad. As as you mentioned, as was mentioned earlier, Carlos Watkins is on the squad. I think that if the Cowboys need to pull somebody up, there is a decent option at almost every position still on the practice squad uh, that can come up and probably play at a pretty good level. So that is an extra level of depth that I don't think we've seen for a while with this team. Mm. So the words were actually in squad, just to be clear, because I think yes. we, okay, so that was a little bit less obvious than Tony's, but we all just we had to make sure we connected those dots. Um, yes. We will see how long the Cowboys play the 55 man roster game, um, whether they, they kind of restart the cycle with two different players after the first three weeks of the season that would seemingly be as expected. They could probably use Jake McQuaid that way, CJ Goodwin that way. Um, these kind of, you know, down the roster veterans, they're 54th and 55th players uh, in that sense. Um, but so, um, you know, hey, uh, by the way, Tony, the comment section is really in your favor right now. The, the commenters are, are really coming to bad for you. So who knows? We still have two players to get through. Brandon, you are up and you have YS, a challenging combination of letters. Youth stands strong. Uh, I, I wow. think well done. Oh well done. I, I, I give think, him a point. <laughs> oh man, I appreciate that. Um, you know, the youth of this team, they, the, the Cowboys are now one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And some people might say it's inexperienced, but I think it creates tenacity. I think that these 
guys have something to prove. Dak Prescott came out this week and mentioned how, you know, he understands that the writers were writing all these things about the team. He's like, we get it. We hear it. We understand what you guys are saying. And I think that creates fuel for these guys. And I think I don't remember one of the like the most recent off seasons where the Cowboys weren't talked about less. I think that everybody just assumes that they're taking a step back. But why not a step forward because of their youth? And I think that creates such a, a longevity of, of sustainability for, for the team moving forward in the years. And, yeah, they have a couple guys on these two year deals that Dallas always does. But, you know, they're drafting really, really well which is what we talked about earlier. So I think that creates a lot of sustainability. I think that they're relying on their youth for the first time in a really long time. Mm, that is, um, you know, Peter King's Football Morning in America yesterday on Monday. This mm. thing had to have been, I, I mean, like 8,000 words. Uh, like one of the biggest Football Morning in Americas of the year. It's the Monday of, of the regular season. Not a mention of the Cowboys. I mean, no, no serious, which is really kind of crazy to your point brandon you could argue maybe they're lurking in the shadows um that was well done you got a lot of love in the chat as well uh rabble i won't lie to you um we need um an impressive performance if um you know if you want to come in and take this thing home n s nine six will be the final score of the cowboys bucks game (laughs) i love that answer that's a great answer so uh, we've talked. We've talked about uh, the problems on the Cowboys' offensive line. We talked about the problems on Tampa Bay's offensive line. We also highlighted um, the young Turks that are that they've got at, at defensive tackle, which with safety is, is uh, probably the most improved position in in Dallas over the last couple of years. It's a lot of. I mean, uh, Brandon, you highlighted uh, Odigizua, but uh, we also mentioned Tristan Hill. Before before we had to combine them, my end was going to be Neville Gallimore. I think he's going to have a breakout year. I think he's going to have a borderline Pro Bowl year. I think I think he's poised to 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 have a beast uh, sort of beast mode kind of year. Um, Chauncey uh, Chauncey Goldson is is going to be I think going to make some hay inside as well. So um, I, I I think both teams are really going to struggle to to move the ball, and I think it's also important that we that we look at the season in a new way. Thanks to the thanks to the um, the sort of you know, the, the new bargaining, uh, agreement, uh, which is that the September games are really the preseason, right? So both teams are in preseason mode. Like the, the, the regular season starts in October. So there are now four preseason games. The preseason games we've been seeing are training camp practices, right? So everything basically gets moved forward. So there's a 13 game season. We now have four preseason games. They just happen to count. So we're going to see preseason football for the next four weeks. So, um, if we think about preseason football, we think about two offensive lines that are overmatched. I think we start thinking about games that are basically a battle of field goal kickers. Mm. Um, that was really well done, um, Rabble, if I'm being honest with you. I awarded you nine and six points appropriately nice. um, <laughs> for, uh, for that. Um, you came in, Rabble, in third place. One oh, point brutal. separated you. I was one um, point down. You gave me all these points. I ended up in third? One point separated you from oh, four. Oh, fickle masses. Uh, so, Rabble, you had 44 points um, in third place. And, again, one point um, positively ahead of Tom, who came in last uh, with 43 points. Um, Tom, a great job, but Tom, it was your one point that you handed out to Brandon that served as the winner. Brandon, 50 points to Tony's 49. Wow. Shout out to Tom Ra who casted the deciding <laughs> vote. Brandon shows up, has a hundred percent winning rate in blogging the boys roundtable appearances. Brandon, congratulations. What do you have to say? Who do you have to thank? What, you know, just go off. 
Uh, well, I guess I have to thank Tom first and foremost. Uh, but, but really, I, I want to thank all you guys. You know, you guys have brought me into this to this crew, to this community. The community has been great for fans and, and the whole network's been great. I mean, we have a great group of writers here and I'm really looking forward to see. Listen, maybe we bring the juice uh, and it, it translates to the, the Cowboys win record. We could take all the credit for it. Um, I'm, I'm all in for that. So I'm look, really looking forward to the season and I uh, have to thank the crew here. Tony, how do I'll you feel? Richie deserved it. That's right. Uh, are you upset with Tom? Tony, um, again, had he thrown that one point in your favor, you never know. Yeah, you know, Tom, and uh, we've been teammates for a while now, but, you know, I'm, I'm not upset. You, you you throw the rookie a point and he wins. Uh, you, maybe he's having a Micah Parsons type impact of blogging them boys here. Yeah. Tom, do you feel guilty? I mean, like, how are you compartmentalizing all of this? You actually weren't even supposed to be here tonight, so you have really butterfly affected this whole thing. Uh, no, I don't feel guilty. If it's like, <laughs> as, you, as you like to say, it's all in fun. If we can't sit back and enjoy this, what's the point? We're here to not only inform, but we're here to entertain the people that, that tune in, if you want to call it, to listen to us do this and watch what we're, what's going on. And I, I just hope that we brought them a little enjoyment and fun and maybe told them a couple things they hadn't thought about. And if we manage to accomplish that, then hopefully we can get people to come back because these can be a lot of fun. And we've got a lot more of it coming this season. So stay tuned, all of you. Uh, Rabble offered a score prediction for Sunday night's Cowboys-Bucks game uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I will offer him a chance to add a real one if he would like. And we'll go around the horn as we close. Tony, uh, Cowboys-Bucks, Sunday night, score, who wins? I'm on record at First and Ten podcast. I said I think the Cowboys win differently this year. I think they win 20 to 17 this week. Start the season one and zero. Okay, is uh, are those all like 100 percent like Brandon field goals? Like no misses from Brett Maher here. We're not leaving points on the field. You know what? I, I think I think he does miss one. I think give me give me one okay. miss. You know, and it's I mean it wouldn't be right if he didn't. So wow. 20, yeah, 2017 Brett Maher. They still get it done. Tom. I, I'm going with 23-16 because I do think that the field goal kickers are going to be relied on as the teams are still getting their their legs under them uh, on the field. But uh, I think the Cowboys can pull this out. Uh, because, And the, the main reason I say that is because the one thing that will slow Tom Brady down is if you're in his face a lot, and I think they are going to be right on his face mask all game long. Tom Brady's six not and contacting it. He is six and zero against the Cowboys. Uh, maybe this is the Time one. Brandon, break it. Score I, prediction. Kevin yeah. says twenty-eight to nine Tampa in the chat. So, wow. Uh, I don't Brandon. know about that. I'm going to say twenty-one seventeen Dallas. I think that this is a new team. Uh, I think the the Bucks are not the same team coming off the Super Bowl. Uh, last season, I think Dallas again, you know, having this sort of underdog mentality, or like like Demarcus uh, Lawrence said, he said underdog, upper dog, whatever you want. Like, well, the dogs are going to eat, and I think that you know we're probably going to have. I think my prediction is a, a defensive touchdown somehow, some way. I think it, whether it's a, a strip sack or a, a pick six, I think they're going to have a defensive touchdown. Rabble, you want to stick with nine and six or? Uh, it's something close to that. I, I, I'll say that styles make fights, and I think the, the Cowboys, uh, particularly with Anthony Barr and Micah Parsons, are well-suited to be able to get in Tom Brady's face. I think they're going to take advantage of that, and those two guys are going to be doing a, doing a lot of, like, Troy Palomalu stuff and, like, you know, disguising things and coming from all angles. And I think it's going to uh, – Tom Brady's going to have, like, pissed-off Tom Brady face at some point during the game. Um, I, so also, but I still think the Cowboys are going to struggle to move the ball because that offense hasn't played together. And so I, let's, let's say 13-9 Cowboys. Um, I think we, look, it's week one. There's always something weird. Um, I'm, I think we get like a missed extra point or something. Um, you know, the, the 
look, no, all respect to you guys, but 21-17, you know, 10-7, 14-7. Come on, let's get some, you know, some funny numbers. I'm going to say 29-13. Let's just wow. do it. Let's let's send this. Let's let's light this candle. You know what I mean? Ooh, let's, let's 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 let's. Who, who scores 29? I feel like that was really obvious um, with like the positive energy that I said right. that way. Uh, <laughs> That's but, a lot uh, of points. That's I know. Points. Have you seen Dak Prescott play football in CD Lamb? I mean, you <laughs> know, enough. like I will say twenty nine. Uh, what did I say? Twenty nine, thirteen. Tony Pollard has two touchdowns. That's my uh, my kind of bold ish take. We see him unleashed, and we like we are like barrel chugging the Kool Aid next week that the Cowboys think- have unlocked him. We're starting to talk about how they have to re-sign him, get it done, all sorts of stuff. Hey, a shout out! A shout out to Johnny Boy RN because he says that Turpin's going to run one back, and I don't think that's a bad prediction at all. Tony, would you have used Turpin or Tony Pollard in your double T's? I probably would have, honestly. Mm. Okay, Tony. Well, uh, send us home. Brandon's never heard this live. Uh, Tony, yes, I I need you to. You really failed last week. Everybody, encourage Tony in the chat. Make a random noise that lasts at least three seconds. All right. A, it, ha, it can't be like a, a singular sound. It has to be a combination of echoes, melodies, movements, notes. Tony, you can do this. <laughs> that was better. Bravo. 